Would it be possible for me to address you as dad in this scene? No, why? Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I forgot, I, I'm sorry. Where are you coming from, Chekhov? Shit. It's not a bad impulse, though, some kind of nickname. Not that one, it's too specific, but try to think of something else. Another name? How about Steezy? That's good, try it. What were you gonna say before? Good luck, Steezy. Fantastic, let's go. How's it going, everyone? Uh, welcome to another episode of Rotten Potatoes. This is the podcast with four friends reviewing movies that you absolutely should have already seen at this point. My name is Zach, and I'm here with three of my good friends. How's it going, Scott? <laughs> I'm sick, and I feel like I would have been more energetic than your opening. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, that wasn't energetic for you? No. Really? That, that, was that, was, down. that was probably our worst I intro said, yet. <laughs> you, also, you went off script for the tag. I said, what's up? Yeah, what's up is I, I don't, automatically. I don't get much more energetic than that. Yeah, I don't know. We listened to you on Armageddon. Uh, I did get very energetic for that episode. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. We'll get there. Well, let's Warm introduce ourselves. Yeah, hi, I'm Scott. I'm the sick one. I'm Jake. I'm healthy. <laughs> uh, my name's Tyler. Uh, so happy to have you guys here. Um, yeah, we're in a, our, this is our fourth episode now, uh, and I hope you guys have uh, really enjoyed it so far. We're having a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, today's episode, we're doing uh, Steve Zissou and the Life Aquatic. Uh, Zach was the one who nominated this. So I was the one to nominate it. We'll, uh, we'll get his initial feedback in just mm -hmm. a second. but uh, It's actually called the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Did I say it backwards? Steve mm -hmm. Zissou and the Life yeah. Aquatic. You know, it's... Uh, all the time I've ever talked about it, I've only ever known it as the life aquatic. Yeah. Because that's like, I've... that's the larger part of the yeah, title the font, yeah. on the, like, so it's like, Oh, it's the life aquatic. I know? affectionately only know it as Steve Z. Steve Z. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I will call it. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, this was uh, released, uh, December 25th. It was released on Christmas, uh, -huh. uh in 2004. Christmas movie kind of a mm. weird choice for a Christmas movie yeah bizarre uh, I I would not have gone to see this I mean it's just a bizarre movie so <laughs> that's true <laughs> it's always a weird choice that's true but mm -hmm. I feel like just like the tone of it would have been so much better in like spring or something like that or summer just yeah. any other season probably yeah yeah anything yeah. but Christmas Day mm -hmm. but Apparently, the rest of uh, the world agreed with me because uh, it made 34 million dollars uh, worldwide, uh, but it cost fifty million dollars to make. Mm. Not bad, only sixteen million in the red. <laughs> also, I don't know what on earth Wes Anderson Wes Anderson spent fifty million dollars on in this movie. Probably that big model of the ship. Yeah, <laughs> probably renting the boat for that many days. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, like I mentioned, uh, this was uh, directed by Wes Anderson. Uh, it's one of his. Uh, it's not one of his best known movies, but it's not one of his worst known movies. It kind of mm -hmm. sits in the middle. I feel like it's a, it's a favorite among Wes Anderson fans. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the one that most people know him by, or um, for example, Jake had seen a couple of his, but not this one. I've never, I've started several. Oh, and that's right. I couldn't finish them because I just didn't want to. But of, of the fans who have seen all of his films, this one 
from my experience, usually sits near the top of the list. Mm. This is my first time ever <laughs> watching any of his films. Yeah. Do they all have that big of a cast? Like, I feel like there's a lot of big names in this movie. They get bigger and bigger yeah. as yeah. this movie goes. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm. Like, I would say the biggest one, I, I, I would say the biggest ones are all Tenenbaums. I think at this point it's Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, yeah, that's true. But the French Dispatch is coming out later this year. Oh, yeah. And it has a huge cast list. Oh, cool. I think everyone who was in this movie plus everyone who was in every other Wes Anderson movie is going to be in it. Oh, jeez. And then they threw in Timothy Chalamet. Oh, because he's killing it. Yeah. like He's super hot right now. So hot right now. Mm -hmm. I probably won't be seeing that. Uh, so in a couple of years. We can do it for we this. We can do, do it, for, it this. for this podcast. Yeah, Zach, who's, you, who's you and I can go watch it. Me. Oh, we'll for sure watch it. He was uh, the actor in Call Me by Your Name with Army Hammer. That. He was in um, the newest Little Women as well. He played Lori. I want to see that, but I haven't seen it yet. He was in that. He was in Lady Bird. Mm -mm. He probably has not been in anything you've seen. <laughs> okay, cool. He's yeah. a very... I, I thought I would have known the name if I had known who he was, and he's I a, didn't, it didn't even sound He's familiar. a very young actor. He's okay. up and coming. He's very young, very up and coming, but he's like exclusively in Oscar award winning movies. Got it. So nothing you would have seen yet. Mm. <laughs> well, he was in, um, oh man, now I'm going to blank. Armageddon 2. He was yeah, in. Yes. He was Armageddon <laughs> 2. Yeah. I think he's been Affleck's son. Tim in Armageddon 2. <laughs> Actually, yeah, him he, and Liv Tyler. ironically, he yeah. looks so much like Casey Affleck. Oh, I remembered what like, he was in. <laughs> he's in. Um, yeah, I've never seen No, no. He's in Interstellar. And oh, he, he is. He's the. Oh, I've seen Interstellar. He's the son. He plays young Casey Affleck, which is That's funny right, that, that, you, I, that you I bring that up. That. Yeah, Casey Affleck is in Interstellar. Yeah, it's, I don't remember that movie at all. Apparently, apparently not. It's Matthew McConaughey's son, like the adult version of his son. Uh, okay, God. yeah. So he doesn't so, have a huge part. Well, the boy is the teenage son. Like oh. the entire opening of the movie Got is. It. The two kids, uh, Michael Caine and uh, um, Matthew McConaughey. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, we should probably get back to Steve Zissou. But <laughs> I did want to say real quick before we dive in um, that someone brought to my attention not too long ago that back in the first episode, Stand By Me, I reported that Corey Feldman had died. <laughs> And he is still definitely alive. It was Corey, I want to say Haim? Hain. Hain. Haim? Haim? You know who we're talking about. Yeah. Um, the, the other, other Corey, Corey in Lost Boys. That's how I was confused. They're both in Lost Boys. And so I knew it was a Corey from Lost Boys that had passed away. Uh, it was just the wrong one. And they were, uh, they were like all through like the 90s. Like they were just 80s and 90s kids. I guess mostly 80s. Um, but they were just kind of like... Always together, kind, kind of, of a power duo. Yeah, they were a power duo, uh, and one they were heartthrobs. One other correction that came up recently was your brother tweeted at oh, us. Oh yeah, my brother that we made a mistake in our Ark Raiders of the Lost Ark movie or uh, in episode. um actually oh yeah it was that episode but it was the um we had said that there were Nazis in Crystal Skull the fourth Indiana mm -hmm. Jones movie because we just said Nazis were bad guys in all of them yeah but apparently it's Russians which that I think the was guys a fair guess. Yeah, that it was Russians always. are basically Nazis, anyways. <laughs> yeah, I mean everyone knows this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, this movie, Steve Zissou and the Life Aquatic. Did I nail it this time? Nope. No. <laughs> the Life Aquatic <laughs> with Steve Zissou. Yep. You said it the exact same way <laughs> the, the first time. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, it was uh, directed by Wes Anderson. It was also written by Wes Anderson and Noah Baumbach. 
Yeah. And uh, Zach, you were telling us earlier that uh, this was the first movie they wrote together. Yeah, this was the first movie that they had written together. Um, previously, Wes Anderson would work uh, with Owen Wilson. They would write their movies together, and that included The Royal Tenenbaums. Um, their very first movie together was Bottle Rocket, and then they did uh, Rushmore. Yeah. And uh, they had actually met in college oh. um, and became roommates. Oh, no kidding. So, yeah, yeah, so I'm assuming that they probably... That's when they would write. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, But yeah, this was the first movie that Wes wrote with Noah Baumbach. Baumbach? Baumbach? Uh, Baumbach is probably. I'm not sure what it is. Um, If you don't know who that is, he directed uh, the movie Marriage Story, which was just nominated for Best Picture and other awards starring Adam Driver. He's also written and directed. And and he wrote it. Yeah, yeah, and he wrote it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. he also wrote and directed Mistress America, um, Francis Ha, and, um, oh man, there's another really great one that I'm blanking on. Well, he uh, wrote um, he wrote uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox with Wes Anderson. Oh, yeah, yeah. They did write a couple afterwards as well. Yeah, and then he did, uh, it, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but While We're Young. Uh, I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. I need to. It's uh, While We're Young is uh, uh, Ben Stiller and Adam Driver. It's a great, yeah. It's a great, great movie. cast. Yeah, great cast, great movie. Uh, but he wrote that as well. I really like Noah's stuff. Yeah, I've liked everything I've seen him do so far. It feels kind of like Wes Anderson, but like happening in the in the real world. Yeah, like a lot more grounded. Did you guys see Marriage Story? No, no. I heard it was really depressing, and I haven't been in the mood to be sad yet. I w- I wouldn't call it depressing to be honest with you. Yeah, right. There's much sadder movies. Yeah. It, it wasn't as depressing as I think everyone kind of chalks it up to be. Yeah, no. I just thought it was very real and like very engaging. Like it like from the first like 90 seconds, I was hooked. Mm-hmm. It was it was really good. Yeah. Uh so yeah, this uh this movie got a uh The Life Aquatic with Steve Zisu. You got it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Yes, yep. all right. Nailed it. Uh got a fifty 50- 56% on that other website. Yeah. Not great. And uh, 7.3 on IMDb. So That's better than I thought. Was uh, the other websites rating the critics or the audience? Uh, that's uh, 56% is audience review. Okay. I believe. I, that surprises me. It's definitely not in a crowd-pleasing movie. I mean, I to be honest, I never look at I just look at this is the Rotten Tomatoes score. I don't go in and like try to find out what the critic Which is. What is. the Yeah, no. It's they just, normally release two. Right. Well, their main one is the critic one, and then you can go find an audience one as well. Got it. So, is the critic one was fifty six, I think. Anyway, it, maybe eventually we could do that, where like we do our scoring, but then we also do a poll. Unfortunately, that's going to require us actually having people who listen to this podcast. So <laughs> that's why I said eventually. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> after we, we acquire still- at least one or two fans, yeah, yeah, we can we can do that. We could do a poll now. And it would just be our votes. And then they would just match. I think think that's what we do at the end of this. But this time it'll be on Instagram or something. Oh, okay. Got it. It Uh, could be different. We have like 40 followers at this point. I'm sorry to date the episode. So yeah, we got it. All right. Well, hey, this uh, this episode was nominated by Zach. So Zach, what made you decide to uh, nominate uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou? Um, if I'm being completely honest, part of the reason that I nominated it was I wanted to nominate a movie that I didn't think Scott would like. I loved it. So jokes on you. Yeah. Jokes on me. Um, but, uh, also I, 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 
<laughs> also, I knew that this would not be a movie, one that would be nominated probably by anyone else on this podcast, but also um, just not the kind of movie that would be nominated by anyone else. I knew it would be a lot different from the kind of movies that we were going to be watching. Um, and it's one of my favorite movies. It's uh, I would probably put it in my top 20. I don't think it would make top 10, but mm. um, I just love everything about this movie. I think it's hilarious. Um, I'm a big Wes Anderson fan. So that it already has that going for it. Um, but I love the cast. I love the way it looks. I love the absurdity of it. Um, I love that you just kind of have to throw logic out the window. It really doesn't make any real world sense. But I love the themes that it tackles. Um, fatherhood and just feeling so insecure and kind of like you're not significant anymore. Um, I really do think it's it's super funny. Um yeah, there's just a lot that I really love about this movie. And I was just very curious to see what you guys thought of it, the late bloomers. Well, that takes us to uh, our main, uh, the, the big drum roll. What, uh, what do our late bloomers think? Yeah, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Like, I think I came into it having some bad experiences with Wes Anderson movies or maybe not bad. I just didn't finish three that I started. Um <laughs> I thought it was really funny. Um, it was weird. I probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't watch it again unless somebody really wanted me to. Mm. But <laughs> I liked it while I was watching it. You know, I'm gonna text your girlfriend, and be like, "Hey, make sure that uh, you ask to watch this movie with Jake." Oh, absolutely, she would hate this movie. So <laughs> really, she wouldn't like it. It's just so it's too absurd and weird. Like, and that's those are the things I liked. But yeah, I don't know. Just not her cup of tea. Oh, for sure not. Well. Uh, oh, sorry, Zach. I was going to say you did find this movie funny. I laughed out loud a few times. I'm like, I love Bill Murray. I think mm-hmm. he's really funny. Oh. And like this, like the weird, dry mm-hmm. humor, the whole thing. It's kind of my thing. So I'm like on paper, I feel like all these movies I should like. Mm-hmm. But there's something about it when I get into it where I'm like, this just doesn't sit quite right with me. But I, st- I, I like this one. The other three Wes Anderson movies, did you watch them by yourself or with other people? I watched them all with my sister. Oh, okay. So there was another person. In, I was wondering if maybe that was like part of the, why you enjoyed this is that, you know, you're sitting next to us, but. No, she loves the movies and oh, okay. um, she'll always tell me parts about them and they'll always make me laugh. Mm-hmm. So then I think about it. I'm like, hey, let's try it. And then I try it and I'm like, no. I think one of the things that I find so, or that makes it as funny as it is to me is the fact that, um, like when you think of kind of normal comedies, it's usually uh, you have your two or maybe one lead and they're just over the top ridiculous, you know, zany, quirky, dumb usually, but they're placed in the real world and we have like real characters responding in a usually real way. Um, and I feel like sometimes the contrast is almost a little too sharp. It's yeah. almost like this would never really happen. And, and not always there's comedies like that that I really love and think are hilarious but sometimes it just kind of takes me out of the movie and I love that in this everyone is weird everyone yeah. is quirky like this is this isn't real life well the the recipe for a comedy movie is you either take uh, zany characters and put them in real world situations or you take straight characters and you put them in a zany world mm-hmm. and like this break definitely breaks the mold yeah. where it's all zany characters there's not a straight man yeah which is another like like uh, typical like thing that you have to have in comedy movies you have to have a straight man that like anchors you. Um, but they don't have a straight man and the world is zany. 
Like mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's just all chaos. So it breaks the mold. Yeah. I think that's where I kind of struggled with this one. Um, I thought it was fine. Like I didn't hate it, but I also would be perfectly fine if I never watched it ever again. Um, I laughed mostly at you guys laughing and not at what the movie was trying to make me laugh at. I was like, Oh, it's funny that they think that's funny. <laughs> kind of <laughs> laughing. Um, I, and I think for me, I like the comedies that you guys talked about ones where there's a straight man in a zany world or a mm-hmm. zany people in a straight world. Cause I find myself able to connect with the characters in some way, shape or form, whether it yeah. be the main characters or the other characters and how I would respond to someone else doing something to me. Yeah. Whereas in this, like, I just felt like the whole thing was like, I don't connect with anything that's happening. You've never had like a best friend be <laughs> eaten by a tiger shark. I haven't. <laughs> a oh. a, a jaguar. jaguar shark. Jaguar shark. Oh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of my favorite It was things. swimming right at him. He just said the first two words out of his well, mouth. And, and, and part of it for me too was it took me about halfway through the movie before I understood the humor. Yeah. Where I was like, the whole time I'm like, okay, I'm trying to understand like, why is this funny? Why is this? Like I was just very much like assessing the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about halfway through I was like, okay, it's just everything's ridiculous. I kind of get that now. Yeah. yeah. And so it was definitely the second half was more enjoyable for me. One, because I knew the characters a little bit more, and I kind of said this before we started recording, was that if I did watch this again in six months, I would probably enjoy it more. Yeah. Because I know what I'm getting myself into. Yeah. I know what to expect. But coming into it, having no clue what Wes Anderson does or how he operates or what his style was, the first half of the movie, I was just like, I don't understand anything. Yeah, and this is very, I would say, typical of his style. Like, it's all zany characters in a zany world. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, everything's over the top. Uh and yeah, uh, but I, I really, I like this one. Uh, I, this is not my first time watching it. Uh, and I definitely agree with Zach. Uh, it's, it's up there for me for Wes Anderson movies. Yeah. It's my top Wes Anderson movie <laughs> so far. It's also my lowest Wes Anderson movie. So. <laughs> that's fair. I um, guess it's my top cause it's the only one that I actually finished. You've actually, yeah, yeah, that's true. So. And you were, I, I definitely caught you laughing at some stuff. So. Oh no, I laughed a lot. Like, yeah, maybe this will be my, maybe I just had to get my feet wet and actually finish one. Maybe I'll go back and watch some more and see that that could very well be. I felt that actually my experience, I tried to watch this once and I didn't understand Wes Anderson. I didn't get it. And I turned it off and then I watched uh, fantastic Mr. Fox uh, which is probably Wes Anderson's. I was kind of saying this earlier to Scott. Like, I feel like it's one of his like easiest entry. Like, it has it's the most accessible of his movies. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and again, great cast. Like least mm-hmm. zany, you mean, or like? Uh, well, I mean, it's animated. Oh, so it's like you kind foxes. Of expect it you to ex- not be real. In yeah, any way, exactly. Yeah, so you just it feels like normal <laughs> that everything's weird and wonky, mm-hmm. and you know because it's an animated movie. Um, but, uh, George Clooney in that is hilarious. Mm-hmm. He is so funny. Uh, and like I steal a line from that all the time. Like the foxes never cuss in the movie. It's a rated G movie. I'm pretty sure maybe it's PG, yeah, something. uh, which was very weird for Wes Anderson. But like, so the foxes say all the time, like what the cuss I'm I'll, I'll cuss you. Like, like it's, they just substitute they just use the, the word, word cuss, cuss for every cuss. And word. I steal that all the time at work. Like I'll, I'll say that. Like this is cussing ridiculous. Like, have you seen Isle of Dogs? I haven't. Uh, I have not either. But uh, I've wanted to. That's another Wes Anderson movie, newer, and it was also animated. Is 
claymated, right? Yeah. By the way, you were talking about earlier. Did you say like I love I I love dogs or something, or did you say I love dogs? I don't think I was talking about it earlier. Uh, when we had dinner, you brought it up. I. I, I could have said it weird because I don't remember saying that at all. Okay. Yeah. I, I heard it and I was like, that's not how you say it. Like it, it's Isle of dogs because it's a play on words of I love dogs. Let's just assume that Jake said it wrong. Yeah. That's probably safe. I yeah. saved, I saved correcting you in the moment so that I could do, you know, throw you under the bus right now. Mm. I don't even remember talking about it. <laughs> All right. Well, Zach, you were our nominator, so why don't you take us kind of through the movie and, you know, just some of the, like, the plot, some of the things that stood out to you, and uh, yeah. we'll all just kind of jump in. And I'm going to keep it kind of like, because there's there's a lot that goes on in this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's a, I kind of forgot there's a lot of plot. It's yeah, all over the place, too. I it's just, all over the place. I never knew where it was going to take me the whole time. Yeah. So, basically, it's about um, Steve Zissou, and he is, uh, like, this oceanographer, um, deep sea diver, and him and his team, they create aquatic documentaries. And he's based off of, Tyler, you were saying earlier that he's based off of Jacques Cousteau yeah. and his team. And there was, like, a Cousteau society. Society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, very famous, uh, like, oceanographer, diver, explorer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, who apparently also would wear red caps. Yeah. And if you've seen the movie um, or even seen probably a picture of it, you see that all the characters are always wearing these red caps. So anyways, um, the the movie starts at a film festival and um, Steve Zissou is there with his team and they're previewing part one of their new documentary. And uh, it's kind of detailing some of their new discoveries and whatnot and their travels. And it ends with um, Steve Zissou's best friend and I guess co-worker yeah teammate esteban esteban uh who uh has been eaten um <laughs> and it's one of my favorite parts of the movie it makes me laugh so much because we just see the scene of steve emerging from the water and the the water is just dark blood, red yeah. yeah and uh um willem dafoe plays like kind of his second in command klaus yeah <laughs> Who's amazing. He's like, he might He's be my, my favorite character. Oh yeah. I think he was my favorite part too. Um, and Bill Murray is just screaming some nonsense. Um, and we find out later that he has uh, space dementia. Yeah. <laughs> Underwater is the space of earth. Yeah. Um, that was a callback to uh, our second episode, Armageddon. So that was just for you, Jake. Thank you. If we yeah. could bring up space dementia every episode or maybe every other episode, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I'll we, do my we best. Can try. We'll yeah. throw it in there. So he comes up. He comes up and he has hydrogen psychosis and they call that crazy eye, which is, apparently is a play on an actual diving um, malady known as nitrogen narcosis, which I don't know anything about, but it doesn't matter. Um, so- I've done some diving. It You just basically, uh, when you're underwater and you uh, come up too fast, uh, Mm. the nitrogen can actually like induce like panic. Is that the bends when you get the bends? No. Well, it's it's, it's similar, Mm. Um, but like it can actually like give you like a a psychosis, like panic, like sheer panic. Mm. And it, you, it ultimately ends up resulting in the bends because you panic or drowning. You either like shoot up because you're freaking out or is that what the bends is when you have no semblance of if you're no, the bends is if you... Uh, I should just stop assuming. I <laughs> yeah, you probably should. The bends is if you like uh, ascend too quickly underwater, uh, the nitrogen bubbles will expand in your blood mm. and... Bleed out of your ears. 
You can, uh, you can have embolisms, you can, uh, but it's very painful is the biggest thing. Like it's gotcha. very painful in your joints, uh, because the nitrogen gets into your joints and then expands inside yeah. your joints. That sounds very painful. Yeah. Sounds but, like what our listeners came to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Sorry. Uh, moving like, on. So, so Steve emerges. Love That's interesting to diving me. Diving knowledge. Yeah. Know. We get a little bit of diving knowledge. Sorry. Um, I'm sorry I had to. I like scuba diving. It's a multifaceted podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're under movies, comma, diving. Just (laughs) lean into it, Jake. We are today, all right? All right. So Steve emerges, and he's screaming, and uh, and Klaus uh, diagnosis that he has crazy eye and uh, he's screaming about how Esteban was eaten. And he was eaten. Well, he's one just got of these my red rings going through his eyes. Like he's got like a, like, like spirally eyes or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like uh, those, those like those glasses with the eyeballs coming off yeah. on the springs. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it looks like. And it has some of my favorite back and forth dialogue when Klaus then in the midst of this asks Steve, is he dead? Is he dead? And then he screams back, he's eaten. <laughs> And then he goes, was he swallowed whole? He goes, no, chewed. <laughs> and then, uh, and this is all in the film that the, the attendees well, at the film festival are watching. And then Klaus jumps in the water after, <laughs> yeah. after he throws like a life preserver too. <laughs> no, What's a life preserver? A scuba, a tank. scuba tank. Scuba tank. He throws oh, a scuba is that tank. what he throws in? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what? Yeah. And so all the attendees are watching this transpire um, in part one of the documentary. Then there's a little bit of a Q&A and that's when Steve addresses that um, part two is going to be him and his team searching for the jaguar shark to kill it yeah. for revenge. Well, I guess important detail is he tagged it. He shot he, it with, yes, a, he yeah, tagged with a tracker yeah. on it. With a tracker. Yeah, exactly. And so um, uh, fast forward a little bit, we find out that um, a character named Ned Plimpton is also one of the attendees, and it turns out to be what we at the time think is Steve's son. Yeah. Played by um, Owen Wilson. Yeah, played by Owen Wilson. Um, he he comes up to Steve at an after party and tells him um, who his mother is, and and Steve remembers the mother, and um, they kind of connect the dots that this could be Steve's son, and so Steve invites him to be a part of the team, and then they embark on uh, their journey to find the jaguar shark, and quite a bit happens in between that and the rest of the movie. Do you guys just want me to keep going? Do you guys want <laughs> to pipe I'll, in? I'll, I'll oh. jump in. I'll, I'll pipe in a little bit. I think bit. you should call it the Jaguar Shark or whatever it is. Yeah, or whatever it is. Uh, so we have uh, the the team kind of embarks on this zany mission to uh, to go track down this Jaguar Shark. And uh, it, it's just filled with misadventure. Uh, one of my favorites is when uh, the, the pirates board the ship. Mm, yeah. uh, because you have, uh, what was his name? The guy who's uh, sort of like... Uh, unceremoniously soundtracking the entire movie. I don't. The character's name, name was Pele, but Just, I don't remember yeah. the the real actor's Playing name. Playing David Bowie in Portuguese throughout the whole movie. <laughs> throughout the whole movie, and just at random times, like you just see him strumming the guitar and singing. And he's David. recording it too, like he's recording an album. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's the soundtrack for the documentary. Oh, I never connected that. Yeah, dot. that's that's what it is. It's the soundtrack for the documentary. That would make sense. Uh, and uh, he's just playing. Uh, um. Uh, Major Tom, what's the name of the song? 
Oh, space, space oddity. oddity. Yeah, space oddity. So he's just playing that, and he and he's like counting the five, four, three, two, one, and you see the pirates like coming up behind him, and then, they mm-hmm. and then the ladder <laughs> just comes up, and he's just like unwittingly playing. And I just love that scene so much. It's mm-hmm. so like Wes Anderson, where you have again like this like really zany character in this really zany circumstance and he's just completely unaware but we the audience get to see this whole thing happening mm-hmm. and hit like know what's kind of know what's going to happen yeah uh, even though the characters don't i love that part where they were uh looking for their shark tracking equipment and they decide to bust into oh, jeff goldboom plays um <laughs> his, rival. Rival. his rival his rival yeah, his and also Tennessee. his um his wife's ex-husband? His ex-wife's, his ex-wife's ex-husband. She's not still his wife? No. Why was she with them the whole time? Uh, they, they're uh, business partners. Yeah, they're okay. business partners. She's like funded his entire thing. I, I guess one of the things that we got to mention uh, is that he's definitely uh, sort of at the end of his career. Like he's yeah. sort of washed up. He's uh, struggling to get funding. Yeah. Um, that's kind of one of the uh, plot points as well as they're not even sure if they're going to be able to finish this movie. And it turns out that his son, Ned, um, happened to have just inherited all this money from his mother's death. Um, and so his mother had also died, we should have mentioned as well. And so Ned kind of ends up funding the rest of the documentary until the pirates come. You're talking about Kingsley? Yeah. <laughs> Kingsley, Ned... Steve renames him to Kingsley Zisu. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even think he gave Ned an option. He really. didn't. Yeah. No, because he said, uh, like, uh, I was wondering if you'd change your name and, and Owen Wilson's character says Ned. He's like, no, you could keep that part unless you don't want to. I, I would have named you Kingsley. Yeah. And he's like, no, I think I'll stick with Ned for now. Yeah. And then Zisu gives him the like stationery that he made for him. And it just says Kingsley. <laughs> it <laughs> says Kingsley parentheses Ned. Ned. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So these pirates come and um, they kind of take everyone hostage and whatnot. And uh, they take Bill hostage who uh, was sent from the Bond company. He was a Bond company stooge. Yeah. To kind of keep uh, <laughs> Zisu on track and make sure that he's not doing anything that, you know, he's not supposed to be doing. And um, I feel like that was kind of the moment where the absurdity in this movie kind of reaches its peak. Oh, yeah. 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 It's something interesting I was just thinking about is the pirates, These they've been strapped the whole movie. Like every single member of their crew has a gun. <laughs> yeah. Except for the interns Ex- that all share one. They, share, yeah, one they all share one gun. But then nobody had their gun on them and the pirates came. <laughs> the, you have to throw logic out the window with this film. There's logic doesn't. I mean, I don't like he... He's wearing a gun, pajamas. He <laughs> he's not wearing a shirt. Bill Murray's not wearing a shirt. He's just wearing sweatpants and he's got a Glock on. I his thought head. when the pirates arrived and they came to get Sisu while he was in the sauna, I thought he was going to have a gun in the sauna. Yeah, yeah I did. He too. just happened to not at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was expecting when he goes to get his robe off that exactly. he would have a gun there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right, Jake. Like they they all had guns. Are there a lot of gunfights in Wes Anderson movies? No. no, I wasn't ready for that to happen at all. I was like, why do they have these guns the whole time? And then now it, now they don't have them, I can't but they're think, still gunfight. Are there any other ones? I can't think of a single other gunfight. Our yeah. listeners can reach out to us. and Maybe in Grand Budapest. I, I think there's a shootout. Yeah, there might be. But during not, a ski scene. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. There. This right, is the worst it. shootout ever because everybody's just missing every <laughs> shot. Yeah. <laughs> it was a stormtrooper shootout for mm-hmm. sure. Like Bill Murray's running. He's but getting worse. shot at from three sides. <laughs> And he's just fine. But Bill Murray does manage to shoot the intern. 
<laughs> no, no, he shoots the pirate and the pirate drops the knife. Oh, drops the knife <laughs> into the intern's yeah. shoulder. I mean, Zisu also survived an explosion later in the movie as well. Yeah, yeah. It, n- nothing about this movie really makes any sense. Well, Jeff Goldblum also got shot in the chest <laughs> yeah. later in the movie, and he was whatever. So Fine. Y- you know what? I, I kind of had the thought um, because there's a moment in this movie where they're watching old footage of Zisu earlier um, in his career and uh, they definitely it definitely portrays Zisu as kind of this larger than life like he's completely in control yeah um, he saves the the little Arctic puppy thing or whatever it was <laughs> yeah. you know and um, he's an Arctic or as a snow mon- ferret it's yeah. a mongoose. Oh, mongoose. Snow mongoose, yeah yeah and he's doing flips off the Belafonte into <laughs> you know and like it's like he can do no wrong he's almost like a superhero yeah and so I kind of took all of this um, absurdity and just kind of larger than life stuff going on, stuff that would never happen in the real world, almost like Zisu could be retelling this story Mm. to someone later in his life when he's older and he's obviously not um, going on these adventures anymore and he could be like fabricating many details. Embellishing. Yes, exactly. And playing it up and like there was this huge shootout in... You know, like no one could get me and I shot this and then it went into the interns, you know, the knife dropped into the and like when in reality it was much more subdued. But I kind of thought like, but it's it's interesting that he would um, keep in then all of these uh, character flaws because Zisu, as we're watching this movie, it's, it's clear that he's very insecure. Um, he has a lot of character flaws. And there's a moment in the movie where Zisu is uh, walking down some stairs and he just falls <laughs> he just like he just falls like the trips on we have no idea what nothing and like, um yeah. he asks Vikram who's always uh handling the camera like did you get that and he said yeah and he's like all right keep it in like we need some reality or something like yeah. that yeah I think he fell down the stairs and then like took a corner yeah and so I kind of took it as like this could be Steve retelling this story and completely embellishing details to make it like this larger than life story but kept in the character flaws. Um, and that I think that moment kind of talks to that or speaks to that, that he realizes that like uh, he does have these character flaws and that he is insecure and that like we, he shouldn't keep that out. Yeah. That's just kind of my own theory in my head. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, it's a super interesting like notion. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we, uh, we have the, the pirates board the ship. They're uh, uh, Filipino. Pirates, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. I think they mentioned Filipino. Well, they speak Filipino. Okay, and uh, we find out that Bill, the uh, the the, uh, stooge, the bond the company bond, stooge, bond company stooge, uh, speaks uh, Portuguese, Portuguese, Filipino. 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 Yeah, he speaks yeah. Filipino, and so he's like talking to the guys, and so then they end up like kidnapping him. Yeah, and they give Owen Wilson back. They give Kingsley back. Yeah, yeah. they give Kingsley slash Ned. Yeah, back. And uh, so then uh, much of the movie like now is about like saving the Bond company stooge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so we uh, take off again. Uh, much of the uh, crew is kind of worn thin at this point, though. They're they're not trusting Zisu anymore. It's kind of a mutiny. Yeah, there's a mutiny. A few a few characters quit, um, including all of the interns, except for intern one, the one that had the knife wound. Yeah. Which interesting. Interestingly enough, that intern was played by Matthew Gray Goobler. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, um, 
But if you've ever watched Terminal Minds, he's one of the main characters in that show. He was also one of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's friends in 500 Days of Summer. Oh, he was his roommate, wasn't he? He probably, I don't remember, but yeah, yeah he's the one with like the long hair. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And he's, I like him in that movie. He's pretty funny. I totally forgot about that because Jake asked like, who is that guy? And I was like, oh, Criminal Minds. Like that yeah. was what I knew him from. That's that, probably what most people know him from. I've not seen Criminal Minds, but my mom and my little sister really like it. So I've walked in on it enough times that I knew who that was, but yeah. I've not seen 500 Days of Summer. Yeah. That he plays the it's intern number we'll one. We'll have that in a future episode. Yeah. 500 Days of Summer we'll have to do. Yeah. I don't like saying that I've not seen movies anymore because <laughs> <laughs> they get put on the list. I mean, it's yeah. a good movie. I don't, I, I really dislike Zoe Deschanel. Then you'll love this movie. It's a great yeah. movie. Okay. It's a, it's a perfect movie to hate Zoe Deschanel. Awesome. I'm in. Like it'll deepen your hatred. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It probably would make my top 10. It might make my top 10. It wouldn't make my top 10. But regardless, anyway, so this guy, he plays intern number one. And I thought it was interesting um, at the time. He was actually Wes Anderson's intern in real life, which I thought was <laughs> kind of funny. And it's hilarious then that he didn't get a name. He was just intern. He was still just intern. No, he yeah. did get just, a name um, because Owen Wilson knows it. Because Bill oh, Murray's calling him intern the whole time. That's right. And then Owen Wilson's like, his name is, I forgot what he said. Yeah. yeah. But He's like, still building the credits as intern number one. Yeah. yeah. He's the only one that got a number, though. They were like, yeah. in- how did he have so many interns? Well, like on this boat, we're all like, trying to get credit for college. There yeah. was many interns as crew, probably. And they only got incompletes. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they gonna- all quit because they didn't want to die. <laughs> I'm not going to flunk you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not getting A's. Uh, I, I mean, I think the, the whole idea with that was is that it's like he's broke and he's trying to like bootstrap together this uh, grand adventure for part two of the documentary and uh, he can't afford it. And so he's just got to like have like, you know, Shanghai labor from this. Uh, I think it was North Alaska University was what was on their bags. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> uh, which I'm 99% certain is not a real university. Probably not. Uh, but we uh, we go on this adventure now. Our, our adventure kind of pivots and we go to save uh, the uh, we go to save Bill and uh, they end up on this tiny little island. Uh, and we have ping, once again. Ping Island. Ping Island. Hey, look at you. You remember. I remember that. Yeah. Ping Island. Uh, it's probably not a real island. <laughs> I doubt it is. Or, or was it the Ping Islands? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't remember. Uh, anyway, so they, they go to this island that's been like demolished by a hurricane of some kind or a monsoon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there used to be a hotel there. Yeah, there was like a full-on resort. And they end up finding Bill, thankfully. Uh, There's another shootout. And then they find... They somehow go through this entire resort hotel and they see not a soul. (laughs) Uh, And then they just stumble upon Bill. (laughs) And then... In the coat check. Yeah, they stumble upon Bill and then they walk into a room where every single pirate with Jeff Goldblum, whose ship had sunk previously. Yeah. And they're playing poker, and he's captive, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and he's captive. Just Bill Murray walks in with a with a spear gun. And Did you his, come to rescue me? He had a, he had a handgun at that point. trusty Glock, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then they just shoot, the pirates just shoot <laughs> Jeff Goldblum for no reason. Like, he's like, did you come to rescue me? And the pirate's like, bam. Yeah. Um, and then they all... Just run away in this big shoot, including Jeff Goldblum. Including Joe, yeah, he's running with a bullet wound holding. He's just holding his chest, 
in this nice Dr. Pepper shirt he had. And then we come onto the beach and there's this kid just sitting roasting a crab over a fire. And Bill Murray is so ready to just spear gun him. Yeah, spear gun him to death. And Bill goes, no, wait, he's a friend. Yeah, he says his name though. Like someone should, yeah. like he should know who yeah. that well, is. Well, this is the kid that helped him make the phone call earlier. So Bill is able to, with a payphone that for some reason is on the island <laughs> and working, and working um, is able to make. He's still blindfolded. Wait, how do says. we know the kid helped him with the payphone? Call? He, he says that. in the phone call. In he says call, like a boy. this. This person was kind enough to help me, and then he, like the kid, says something, and he says, "Oh, I'm sorry. What was that?" And then the phone just ends. The mm. phone call ends. And Bill Murray says something like, uh, well, thanks for checking in, Bill. <laughs> Next time, be sure to tell us where you yeah. are. So then they end up seeing the kid, and yeah, Bill Murray's ready to murder him. <laughs> and then Bill, the character, stops him and says, no, he's a friend. And then Steve, oh, I love this line. He's like, oh, make sure to remind me we'll send him a cap and a Speedo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which means that he's a part of the Zisu society. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they make it off the island, and uh, plus Jeff Goldblum and uh, then something really tragic happens. Yeah, they're gonna. Oh no! You, why don't you go ahead, Jake? They're gonna go. Well, Bill Murray's ready to give up and retire. He just wants to go home. And then Owen Wilson convinces him to take their whirly bird out to try to look for the jaguar shark or whatever it is again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because uh, he was like, I invested a quarter million dollars in this thing. Like, let's try to make it be something. Yeah, yeah. And so they take it up. And earlier in the movie, they talk about uh, Owen Wilson. Who is a pilot? Co-pilot. Before, yeah, before yeah, co-pilot. Before he decides to for uh, Kentucky Air, <laughs> <laughs> they fly out of uh, Louisville. 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 And they, my favorite. I'm sorry, Jake, to cut you off. My one of my favorite things about this is in their uniform. They have like the Colonel Sanders bow tie. Did you guys notice I yeah. that? Notice I didn't it. see it. <laughs> um, but so earlier in the movie, um, they take the Whirlybird for a spin, and I think what. Owen Wilson says is he is not licensed or does not have any training to take it out. Yes. And then he asks him when the last time has been serviced and he said he didn't know. Um, and Klaus so, looks at it every six months or so. <laughs> um, Klaus. And so they go up and then there's problems and then they helicopter they're, they're They go down and it looked like it could float on the water, but for some reason it was just destroyed. And um, I think they hit hard. I think they okay. fell from a high height and hit hard. Yeah. And then Owen Wilson is really hurt and ends up dying, which is we've watched two Owen Wilson movies for this podcast and he's died in both of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hashtag so, goals. Yeah. If we could just keep that up. Tyler and I had seen this before and we both forgot that he dies. Oh yeah. I didn't re- I, like, I was like, there's a lot of blood in the water. Yeah. And he was like talking like he was dying, like he was kind of mm-hmm. in and out of consciousness kind of a thing. And then he does die. And I'm like, whoa, ah, I don't remember this at all. Yeah. When a move in a movie, when Jeff Goldblum gets shot through the chest <laughs> and is still running away, um, you kind of think dies of a leg wound. Yeah. You kind of <laughs> think anyone can survive. Yeah. But clearly not. And then they have a funeral for him on the boat and somehow all of his Kentucky air friends Mm-hmm. got there plus you uh, can see their planes uh docked alongside yeah. the boat as we oh, okay. like, yeah yeah so they flew in yeah so and then they it was i was just not ready for it to get sad at all yeah it, was, it had been so ridiculous and just funny though wait were still you funny. actually sad at that moment i mean it was it was more sad than anything else it was that had a happened. sad moment yeah. it was about the same level of emotion for me 
I mean, I wasn't more. You could it would tone shift though. Like, yeah, there it was, was a sad. It, there was a tone shift mm-hmm. for sure. I felt like there was there was quite a few moments actually in the movie where you could argue and say it was a little sad. It was usually like lines. Yeah, that someone would say, and it, it would kind of give you a glimpse into the character what they're dealing with. And it was always followed by something completely absurd. Well, kind of like the clip we used for the opener yeah. when he's trying to get, uh, it's, yeah, Owen Wilson is trying to get Bill Murray to let him call him dad in the clip. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, no, that's it's too specific. How about a different nickname? How about, and then uh, Klaus says Steve Z. And then he's like, yes, what were you going to say? And he's like, Good luck, Steve Z. And he's so sad. <laughs> and the movie's like, great, let's go. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. let's go. And then later he does say, you know, I've, I've given it some thought. How about you call me Papa Steve? <laughs> yeah. So he warms up to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Owen Wilson uh, dies and they, uh, they bury him at sea. And uh, then now uh, Bill Murray is really ready to, Steve Zissou is really ready to give up on this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they end up getting the tracker back online. Yeah. And they end up finding the shark. Um, so Which Bill Murray did promise to fight. Yeah. He did earlier in the movie. He said he wouldn't kill it because they're funding their the the bond company wouldn't it allow was, it. Wouldn't yeah, allow it. It was yeah. one of the um yeah. <laughs> I'll fight it, but I'll let it live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they all um just pile into this submarine um and Steve takes them down and it's you know as they're getting deeper and deeper it's getting really dark and eerie and ominous and someone at one point says like is this safe? And Steve says I doubt it. <laughs> just keep going. And uh, and then we end up seeing a glimpse of the jaguar shark. It kind of starts to zoom closer to the submarine and it, it flies right over them. And it's kind of this like sweet touching moment. We have the music by Seeger Rose come yeah. in. And uh, I mean, it's it's honestly a pretty silly moment, but it's a, you know, it's a touching moment for Steve and he starts to tear up and he says something. It's one of my favorite parts. He says like, do you think it remembers me? Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think that's, (laughs) I think there are two, uh, two like big kind of undertones to this movie, maybe three. One of them is for sure. Like you mentioned fatherhood. Uh, Another one is just uh, the pursuit of like, uh, I think like meaning and credibility. Yeah. Like I think he feels like his life uh, up to this point, you know, as he's looking back on some of his feats, I, I think that he feels a lot of meaningless yeah, uh, and has lost all credibility and is fighting to have that back. And, you know, his friend gets killed by this shark that no one's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of dubs it the, the Jaguar shark. And no one really believes that it even exists. Yeah. And he finally like gets that validation that this existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, I think that's what that do you think he yeah. remembers me as hilarious as it is. Cause I do, it does crack me up every time I see it, but it is a little touching. And I think it's even more so touching because just preceding that moment is his ex-wife and she kind of leans over and it's really like the first nice, meaningful thing she says to him the whole movie. And she says, it's beautiful. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's kind of like, look, it exists like you were right you did a good job you found it and she was the real sort of explorer she was the real scientist yeah. she was the brains behind she the was, whole operation yeah mm-hmm. and he was just kind of a lunatic and just kind of the face of it yeah she was yeah. the real jaguar shark she was yeah yeah, yeah. that they were both searching for her, <laughs> him and jeff goldblum yeah and then he just breaks down and starts crying yeah in the submarine and it, I, th- I thought it was kind of interesting that they're as they're diving deep they're passing and there's a bunch of fish like 
And I love that all the fish look so fake. Yeah. Like they don't yeah. even try to look real. Well, every animal in the movie looks really fake. And yeah. almost every animal in the movie, Bill Murray hurts in some way. Except for Cody. <laughs> That's true. Cody was real. And only Cody Jeff was Goldblum. previously hurt because he only has three legs. <laughs> well, Jeff Goldblum hurts him. Cody is a dog that the pirates <laughs> left he behind on the them, boat. Smacks yeah. him with the newspaper. That's one of my favorite moments. Uh, you know, uh, Jeff Goldblum rescues Steve Zissou sort of uh, immediately after the pirates, the engines are disabled and the pirates have left a dog behind. And, and so uh, Zissou just kind of adopts the dog and uh, he's talking with Jeff Goldblum on his like very luxurious ship. And uh, the dog's kind of whining and <laughs> Jeff Goldblum just breaks in the middle of a line and he goes, what's your dog's name? And Bill Murray just has to make up a name because he just like took this dog his dog he's like cody <laughs> and jeff goldblum just casually walks over smacks the dog pretty hard with a newspaper <laughs> and goes be still cody and then just <laughs> walks away it was so ridiculous well, and then cody stops whining yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but cody was very real uh yeah i guess that was probably the only real animal and yeah. the rest of them were super fake and um an interesting little tidbit is uh, when Wes and Noah were writing this movie, they would meet at this Italian restaurant in New York and they would have a lot of meetings there and, and write the movie and whatnot. And they named a lot of those completely fake animals and like fake locations and whatnot after different um, meals and like items on the menu. And then as well, uh, they would name different characters after different waiters and patrons of this restaurant. And so they kind of <laughs> like took inspiration just as they were writing it, just like, Oh, this is on the menu. Let's name it this. <laughs> or like this really nice waiter was named Cody. So we'll name yeah. the dog Cody. Like <laughs> the one that gets smacked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I love this movie. I do actually, I mean, I, it doesn't make me emotional, but I do feel very touched by it. And I, I kind of relate in some ways to, uh, Steve Zissou and just his pursuit of, uh, yeah. V validation and significance. Uh, I, I I liked it. I liked it. And I like that at the very end of the movie, uh, he's now back at that same French theater yeah. that we start the movie at, and it's now, you know, part two, and he's not even in the room for it. He's just sitting out on the out in front of it smoking a cigarette. Uh, because I, I really took that as like he found his validation. He doesn't need it in the success of this mm. movie. I like that. I hadn't connected that. Yeah. Uh because, you know, really the whole movie's about, you know, part one, like People didn't really like it all that much. And it was like, well, you're kind of at the end of your career. You're washed up. And he, you know, makes this second movie as his, like, he tries to make this movie as, like, proof of, like, I still have value. Uh, I'm still important. I'm still Steve Zissou. Mm -hmm. And now that the movie's made, he doesn't he doesn't need it. He found his significance in, uh, in the people in his life and the people that he's lost. I just realized right now that we left out a huge... Plot subplot of the movie. Oh, subplot. Which was um, Kate Winslet? Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Her name was something Winslet in the movie, and that's why. It was, yeah. Jane. Yeah. Jane Winslet. Jane Winslet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I intentionally left her out because I honestly, I don't think she's all that important to the movie. It's really, I don't know. It, it, there was so much time of the movie spent on it, but at the same time, I was like, why? It did feel like kind of a waste of time in mm -hmm. the movie to me. She's not one of my favorite characters in this movie. Um, and I enjoy some parts with her, um, but I, I, it's almost like uh, I don't think that her presence in the movie really changes the dynamic of the movie very much. 
Yeah, I probably agree. I just think it's another uh, example of Steve's failure. Mm. Like she's just a ever present reminder of his failure. Yeah. Like he's not as he's not an ocean oceanographer like she is, or you know, a Wait, scientist she was like she is. A reporter. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking the, of his ex-wife. Oh, the reporter. Yeah, that's Kate Blanchett. Sorry. There was a lot of um there was tension between Owen Wilson and, and Bill Murray because Bill Murray of it, because they her. both liked her. Yeah. Yeah, and when um when Ned was supposed to be on a watch, that's um Owen Wilson's character. Um he was actually in uh Jane's cabin with her and so that leads to the pirates coming in hijacking the ship and everyone knows it's an unwritten maritime rule that you don't uh go into each other's cabins yeah yeah <laughs> of course <laughs> uh i yeah okay now i know who you're talking about i'm so sorry i spaced uh i i actually think the only uh her only value to the plot is the father issue because she has a baby that mm, the father's yeah. not in the picture yeah and Steve Zissou is a father who wasn't in the picture. And so I think it's just, I think it is just a little bit of a, like a ever present reminder for so him. Don't we find out that Steve's not actually his father? Yeah. Yeah. We do find that out actually. Cause he shoots blanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we believe so. Yeah. I was still unclear as to if he was or wasn't. I don't think it matters. I don't um, think it matters. At the end of the movie. And yeah. I think one of the big themes of this is just, um, Kind of, uh, I mean, I guess you could make a case that a big theme is kind of absent fathers. You know, Jane, her baby's father is literally absent. And then we kind of find out that Ned's father is also literally absent, even though he's with Steve the entire time. But just kind of forming that father-son bond, regardless of if it's biological or not. Obviously with... um, with Well, we can also kind of assume that Steve's father was absent. Yeah, exactly. I um, hate fathers and I never wanted to be one. Yeah, which is one of my favorite lines in the movie. Um, but yeah, you can kind of see that like just trying to kind of form that bond regardless of if it's there biologically or not. And I was going to say with Steve and, and Ned, but then also kind of with Klaus and Steve mm. as well. And you can see that once Steve starts to give so much attention to Ned, it really starts to bother Klaus. Yeah. Um, and there's at one point where... Um, where Steve is kind of splitting them all up into teams and he puts Klaus on the other team and Klaus gets really butthurt. And uh, he kind of pulls him aside and he says like, look, like I put you on the B team, but you're the leader of the B team. And um, and he's just like, uh, what does he say? He said like, um, I always wanted to be like with you and Esteban and, and Ned's or Steve says, uh, oh man, I'm blanking. Oh, he says we always a younger be- brother. Yeah, we thought of you as a younger brother. And then Klaus said, oh, like... I always thought of you, you and as my dads. I always thought of you and Esteban as my two dads. And then he says, "Like, don't let the other guys know that I said that. Don't let them make fun of me." Yeah, and he exactly. goes, "I'll try, Klausy. No promises." <laughs> yeah, and so you can see that Klaus, like that, is almost kind of missing from Klaus's life as well. And it's just kind of this like need to be validated and yeah. like affirmed, and someone to kind of come alongside you and say, like, you know, you're doing well. And I think it's kind of funny that throughout the movie, even though. Steve, we assume throughout the movie that Steve is Ned's father. Ned is kind of playing the father part to Steve. Yeah, absolutely. More than anything. Steve is so insecure. Anything can kind of set him off and make him just spiral um, into depression. And Ned is the one who's there kind of trying to pull him out of that throughout the whole movie. Yeah. 
Uh, well, uh, let's, uh, I think now it's time, uh, for us to, I mean, we've kind of talked about several of these, but, uh, let's just go around real quick and, uh, what's everyone's sort of favorite part and or favorite line. Do you want me to start? Yeah. Why don't you start Zach? My favorite, um, like serious line I would say was what Scott just mentioned earlier. I love that line when, um, I don't remember what Ned says, but, oh, he says like, why didn't you ever reach out to me to Steve? And Steve says, um, because I hate fathers and I never wanted to be one. Um, mm. I really liked that line. Um, it's a very like such a Wes Anderson line. It's kind of deep. Yeah. But he doesn't like he doesn't drive it home and it's not like too over the top, too deep or too serious of a line. Um, and then I do. There's so many funny lines in this. Um, I love like I'm part gay. <laughs> Is really funny. I think my supposedly favorite, we all are. Yeah, I think my favorite though is still at the very beginning when um, when Steve is screaming about Esteban being eaten, and then Klaus just says, "Was he swallowed whole?" <laughs> he says, "No, Jude." <laughs> no, Jude. That's what I'll give my favorite line to. Scott, favorite part and or favorite line. Um, I mean, I like the the father line. Um, mostly because I feel like it was the closest thing to me being able to connect to a character. Yeah. Uh, not that I feel that way. Like I love my dad and I would, I, I would hope to be a dad someday, but uh, like it was the closest thing to like real human emotion to me throughout the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say probably, even though I didn't understand it when we first watched it and I had to ask you guys what they said is our opening. Yeah. Uh, audio. I, I, I have laughed every time I've heard it now. <laughs> 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 Good luck, Steve Z. <laughs> <laughs> I um I like so uh early in the movie they steal they break into Jeff Goldblum's um his underwater sea lab. Um, yeah, sea lab and they steal all of his sh- tracking equipment. Um, <laughs> but then Bill Murray also decides to take his cappuccino maker. Yeah. And so then late in the movie at the very end they're um uh Hennessy. Yeah, Hennessy. Bill, uh, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. And then what's the Bond Stooges name? Bill? Bill, yeah. They're, they're standing around the cappuccino machine talking, and then it says Hennessy right on the cappuccino <laughs> machine. And then Jeff Goldblum's like, is this my cappuccino machine? How did it get here? And then Bill says, well, you know, we, we stole it. <laughs> <laughs> like Bill's finally on board yeah. with all yeah. the zaniness. Yeah. Like, we stole it, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The best part is like early, like when they go to steal everything, Bill like specifically says like, are I'm obligated by law to like report back if you do anything illegal. And he's like, you do whatever you have to do to cover yourself. Like whatever. <laughs> but like Bill's like, is, is this like someone, are you breaking it? Like he's super incredulous about the whole thing. Yeah. And then when like the pirates take him, like he's still super like, what the heck man. And now like he's part of the, the Zisu society. <laughs> like he's team Zisu now. We stole it, man. Um, yeah, I think right after that is probably my favorite line. Uh, it's uh, Zach mentioned it. It's uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum tries to talk to uh, their ex-wife, and uh, Zisu sort of pulls him aside. Uh, and Jeff Goldblum says to him, "You know, we've never really been good husbands." And he says, "But I have an excuse. I'm part gay." And uh, <laughs> and which Steve's is funny because earlier in the movie. It, yeah, he, had said he says, he thought he was part yeah, gay. yeah, Zisu says, uh, I've always thought he was gay. And so he like admits like, yeah, I'm part gay. And uh, Zisu says, supposedly we all are. I just cracked up at that. I thought it was just so like, and then they walk up, they hug and walk away. <laughs> that's like, all there is to that's it. That's all there is to it. Uh, so that's probably my favorite line. Although a uh, close second for me is the, uh, 
uh, about to shoot the kid. That's probably my favorite scene. <laughs> oh, I I adored that. Like we were we all, we're all watching it together, and we were sitting there, and I was like, "Is he about to shoot this kid?" <laughs> and then everybody turned and started laughing. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that was that was great. Well, uh, it's time for our uh, patented uh, Rotten Potatoes uh, scoring. Uh, I've got the computer out so that we can kind of enter everything into our complicated algorithms. Uh, so we'll start with Scott. Uh, what, uh, what would you rate this movie? I will give it 4.2. 4.2 what? 4.2 Steve's. That Steve. is low. That is low. Jake? I'll give it like... Six shared intern Glocks. <laughs> <laughs> Zach? Um, I'm going to give it 8.5 uh, Jaguar Sharks. Really trying to boost the average. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I came up with that before we even started the podcast. I knew I'd give it 8.5. And uh, I'm going to give it uh, 8.2... Uh, uh, personalized correspondences. How come I'm the only one that gave a whole number? What did you give again? Six. Oh, well, that's pretty low too. Jeez. Well, this came out to a 67% on rotten mm. potatoes. That's uh, better than the actual score. Yeah, that's better than the rotten, the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Point, yeah. <laughs> that the our score one. is somehow not the actual score. No, uh, yeah, our score is more important. I didn't mean to imply that. I'm sorry. Right. Much more. But the, 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 competitors are there they think they have the the game you know yeah but we're coming for him so 67 percent. i actually i'm i'm nearly positive that that is higher than armageddon yeah I that's think unfortunate because so. armageddon was as we established a perfect movie <laughs> <laughs> uh and by contractual obligation uh i have to uh as we wrap up this podcast uh, first of all, let you know that you can uh, reach out to us. Let us know what you think at uh, Rotten Potato Pod. Uh, Jake's looking around like he's oh, nervous about something. No, oh, I'm sorry. You can uh, <laughs> Rotten Potato Pod uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, give us a follow. Uh, connect with us about it. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm contractually obligated to end this show with a shout out to uh, River Phoenix. Oh, thank goodness. That's exactly what I was talking about off mic with Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, River Phoenix. Uh, I had no clue what you were saying. <laughs> well, I was trying to not let it get picked up on the mic. I, River Phoenix is... Like to try to read someone's lips <laughs> on River it's, Phoenix. It's I was like, what words are those? <laughs> yeah. Uh, go in the mirror uh, or just, you know, turn to someone you love sometime in the next uh, day or two and just mouth River Phoenix to them and watch them be thoroughly confused. Are you trying to like summon him from the mirror? Like yeah. <laughs> Three yeah. times in the bathroom while flickering the lights. Yeah. And he'll, uh, he'll come and uh, he'll, uh, He'll undoubtedly have a, a tender moment with you. Hmm. All right. Yeah, and join us for the next episode. Um, do we want to pick what we're going to do? Yeah, uh, I think the next episode uh, we're episode. Episode. Are you from Canada? I am. The <laughs> next episode we're actually going to do uh, Braveheart, uh, which was uh, Scott's recommendation. So, yeah. so if you have a chance beforehand, watch the movie. Yeah, and then join us for the discussion next week. Yeah. It's a long one, so. Make three sure hours. You, have, you might have to break it over a couple days. Yeah. I don't understand how you guys, all of you do it. I cannot break up a movie over a couple I of days. I only did it because I would have fallen asleep, but I had 30 minutes left. I can do it with a movie I've seen before. If it was my first time, I wouldn't have been able to. Okay. I just did it because I didn't realize how long it was, and I started at like 
nine thirty, yeah. and I was like, "Well, I gotta go to work." Okay. Yeah, I had planned to finish it. I just I knew I would have fallen asleep, and so I had to finish it the next day. But gotcha. uh, yeah, you can find three hours in your week somewhere. Oh yeah, definitely, and it's worth it. Braveheart's fantastic, especially if you haven't seen it before. But uh, if you have, uh, give it another watch uh, this week, and catch us next week for uh, that episode. So, all right. Well, uh, any, uh, Zach, any last words? <laughs> no. Well, it's Scott. It's on you this time. Scott, any final thoughts? Um, yeah. My final thoughts are: um, Can I call you dad? No, that's that's way too specific. <laughs> I like the impulse, though. What about Scotty? <laughs> You're going to call I, Tyler Scotty? <laughs> yeah. I guess I can do that. All right. We'll see you later, Todds. <laughs>